Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29 says, Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Fellow Marketplace Christians, stop apologizing and start winning. Welcome to the Success Edge, the show that helps you take your walk as a Marketplace Christian to the next level. Here's your host, Christian entrepreneur, Tyler McCart. So what's going on, Success Edge listeners? Tyler McCart coming at you, man. I am jacked. Yes, I am jacked. I know. Yes, I just got off of one of the most amazing conferences ever, and uh, man, I'll get into that in a sec, but hey guys, episode 54, Coach Harris, we got him on deck. It is going to be a phenomenal interview uh, that you guys are going to get to hear from a head basketball coach. Yes, a head basketball coach. And of course, like always, I just want to welcome anybody that is their first time actually listening to the Success Edge. Man, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Obviously, we come at you guys every single week. Every Tuesday is when we release an episode But, uh, man, I really appreciate it. And, man, let me tell you again why we're doing this. We want you to win. We want you to win as a Christian in the marketplace because I believe, me personally, my opinion is that is where things happen, you know, for the body of Christ, okay? That that was where Jesus' ministry took place. majority of his ministry took place was in the marketplace. And we want to bring you relevant stories and relevant interviews about people that are actually succeeding in the marketplace and how they're succeeding. That is what we do every single week here on the Success Edge. And obviously, I know that if you want to stay current with the Success Edge and you always want to know what the latest and greatest that we have coming out, go to the actual website. Go to thesuccessedge.biz and look for the little icon that looks like a radio, um, actually a music note, or you can actually look at a little thing that looks like a little player And those two things right there are actually iTunes, which is the podcast app for iTunes, or you can actually tune in to Stitcher Radio and always keep up with the latest and greatest for this podcast. And speaking of podcast, I obviously want to talk about the event that I just attended, the Podcast Movement 2014, all right? Let me tell you something, gang. I am a firm believer in actually attending conferences and major events that you might have in your industry. Let me let me put a quick plug for this. You are all of, you got to be all about associating with the right people, okay, that are in your industry that actually will stretch you and make you better. And I know that I've done that for my for my Amway business for the last, you know, 12 years that I've had my Amway business and I've attended four different major conferences every single year and this was the same thing. This podcast movement, uh, 2014 conference that we had just this past weekend in Dallas, Texas really did set itself apart. There was about six or 700 people there. And I got to rub shoulders with those people that I actually respect a great deal. You know, for one person that I got to rub shoulders with was John Lee Dumas, who is, has the podcast entrepreneur on fire. I got to go up and shake hands with Cliff Ravenscraft and thank him for helping me get my podcast, get this actual podcast up and going, which was his podcast is actually Podcast Answer Man. And man, it was just an awesome, awesome thing. I highly recommend anybody getting out there and attending events because it will change your life. It'll change your trajectory. It'll get you stretch you and it'll help you make you a better person in your industry. All right. So let's go ahead and jump in this interview, guys. I'm excited to have Coach Harris on. 
you know, if you actually want to check out Coach Harris and connect with him, go to the Success Edge dot biz backslash 54 that is backslash 54 to find coach harris's show notes now coach harris actually goes into a lot of good things in here i want to do quick two quick call outs of what he talks about he talks about his struggle to be able to find his passion and actually find his calling of what he was supposed to be doing with his life it is a very revealing thing that what he talks about okay i know you're going to get a lot of out of that the other thing is he talks about maximizing your potential and man i tell you it is a good good thing to hear about it so let's go ahead and jump into this and we'll catch you on the other side so what's going on success says listeners tyler mccart man i am honored and privileged to be able to interview some awesome people and today guys I get to interview uh, Mr. Bailey Harris. I'm actually going to call him Coach Harris because he has been a coach for over 27 years, and uh, he has definitely earned the right to have that title of coach. That is a distinct honor. But uh, just a little quick background. He actually coaches at uh, Lexington High School over here in the, the big metropolis of Columbia, South Carolina. And uh, he actually coaches basketball. He's the head men's basketball coach. Uh, he actually all is the head cross-country coach as well, and he is the assistant uh, coach for track and field. He's been married for 27 years, got three kids, and uh, he loves Jesus. And, uh, man, I'm excited to have him talk to you guys today. So, Coach, uh, coach Harris, thank you for being on the Success Edge today. Uh, excited to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Coach Harris, just like we always do with any of our guests uh, on uh, the Success Edge, um, we always give them the opportunity to introduce themselves a little bit and go into a little bit more detail about who they are and their background and how they became a Christian. So take it away. All right. Um, the, the how you became a Christian, now, I don't have one of those great stories like you hear a lot of people uh, in an interview or when they give a testimonial. Um, my father's a Presbyterian minister. My father-in-law is a Presbyterian minister. My uncle and my cousin are both Presbyterian ministers. And I, I think of one of those people that have grown up all my life knowing that I was a Christian. Uh, I know at some point early in my life, I accepted Jesus, uh, to be my savior, but I don't have one of those aha moments. I didn't have a road of Damascus, uh, conversion turnaround, you know, no uh, wild teenager got saved at a revival kind of story. Um, so I feel fortunate in that. I feel that I, you know, had very easy uh, and very blessed. Um, and I know all preachers' kids don't necessarily like that because it doesn't come with the package deal always. But uh, just have always been very blessed to have been brought up in a Christian home and to always know the Lord is my Savior. And, um, and that's that's definitely been a blessing. Uh, like I said, my father was a Presbyterian minister. Grew up in different parts of South Carolina. He was a, a um, church uh, camp director in Rock Hill in my early days, and that was that was a great place to grow up. And then he was at a children's home uh, in McCormick, South Carolina, and spent ten years there. We kind of refer to that as the uh, the wilderness days. We called my dad Moses for leading us out into the wilderness and Man, McCormick, McCormick for ten years. McCormick, that is like in the middle of nowhere, South Carolina, sir. Yeah, you you go to nowhere and take a left and then go a few more miles. <laughs> Um, great area, um, you know, beautiful lakes and countryside. And, um, it it was, it really was, I think an important time in our family's life. Um, 
being around um, 150 kids in a children's home really just put a special place in uh, in my heart for kids that come from uh, you know some tough family settings and some tough backgrounds. And uh, it's just it's something that's always been kind of special to me since is, um, you know, seeing some of those kids really, uh, with God's grace, kind of overcome some some tough things in their life and some bad family situations. Mm. Um, and then we uh, we eventually moved to Clinton, South Carolina, where I, I graduated from high school at Thornwell High School, which also is a children's home. So another connection with, um, you know, with kids in a children's home and uh, then went to Presbyterian College. Where I attempted to play basketball, did not have a very successful college basketball career, and became a track athlete and had a little more success with that. Um, had a, a track coach that do I hadn't played a lot in basketball. I was like, you know, we'll find playing time for you in track if you come out here. And I had never run track before in my life and uh, became a, a four-year letterman in college and track uh, as a hurdler and uh, loved every minute of it. And um, from Presbyterian College, I uh, went to Coastal Carolina for a year as the head women's basketball coach, uh, hired up by uh, the uh, legendary Hall of Famer um, and probably one of the greatest Christian men I've ever known, Bobby Richardson, um, hired me to uh, work at Coastal. And he left um, really before that first year was over and encouraged me to do the same. So my stint at Coastal was short. I left and went to Furman University for a year and a half as a graduate assistant with the men's team. Uh, back with the coach I had played for and been a student assistant with at Presbyterian College, uh, Butch Estes. And then after getting my master's degree and uh, working at Furman, came to Lexington High School. And uh, I've been here for 27 years coaching uh, basketball and either cross country or track or, as the case now, uh, coaching all three. Hmm. Man, wow, what a what a journey. What a journey, Coach Harris. That is that is something else right there. I mean, you even coming, you know, the – what was the connection with the children's home? You know, I mean, I, what was that about? Uh, you know, my dad was a Presbyterian minister, and he, for some reason, felt called by God. And I guess you never question that to go, like I say, to McCormick, South Carolina, to a state-run children's home and be the chaplain slash social worker. Wow. And uh, so from 1970 to 1980, which was second grade through 11th grade for me, we lived uh, on the campus of a children's home about eight miles out of McCormick and in literally the middle of nowhere. Um, and, uh, it just, it, it, you know, looking back was, uh, was a great experience in terms of really appreciating your family. And, uh, just, it really put a soft spot in my heart for, for kids from tough backgrounds. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously that's, you know, what kind of led you into coaching because, you know, I mean, obviously in coaching, you know, you're working with kids the whole entire time. And impact. Yeah, well, I, I, I really thought I was going to have to be a, a preacher, and I didn't really want to. Um, and that that probably was one of the the biggest turning points in my life. I went on a um, a mission trip. We were, as I believe, 1983, maybe between my sophomore and junior year. I went with um, our our church at uh, First Presbyterian Church in Clinton. We had a group of um, three or four doctors and nurses. Uh, my father was a minister. I think I might have been the only college student on it and then several high school kids. And we were on a medical mission trip in Haiti. And uh, at this point, you know, sophomore, junior year in college, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do for a living. And, you know, I'm just thinking that I guess I'm supposed to be a, a minister, a Presbyterian minister. And I didn't really want to do that. And um, I, I very vividly remember uh, sitting in this hospital compound in Haiti in the middle of literally the middle of nowhere. And um 
just kind of wrestling with God over the issue of, you know, what I was going to do with my life. And it's, you know, 20, 21 years old, it's about time to figure that out. And I didn't really want to be a uh, preacher. And, and to be honest, the reason I didn't is I didn't want to go to seminary. I don't really like studying language and uh, all the stuff that would have come with seminary. And I just, I really didn't want to do that. And, uh, but I finally said, all right, Lord, if that's, that's what you want to do. If you know, you want me to go to seminary and I'm supposed to be a missionary and come to Haiti where I'll never see a basketball again the rest of my life. Um, I'll do it. And it was kind of like the moment I said, okay, I'll do that. Um, all, all the, the, everything was released and let go. And Lord's like, you know, I didn't really want you to do that. I just wanted you to tell me that you would do that. If that's mm. what I wanted you to do. And literally from the time that I said, okay, Lord, I'll do that. He started opening doors, uh, leading me into coaching and, um, and, and kind of just showed me that, you know, my life had really, even though my dad had been a minister, uh, and I was very much influenced by he and other ministers. My life was probably more influenced uh, for the good and bad uh, by coaches that I'd had, both in high school and college. Wow. And um, so he really just kind of opened my eyes to that and, and led me to see that, that coaching was, was going to be the ministry where he could use me if I would allow him. And uh, that's kind of how I've approached it. Man, Coach Harris, that's outstanding. Man, what a what a moment, too. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, success has uh, success as listeners. That's that's good stuff right there. Just what he even shared right there. Wow, Coach Harris, that's awesome. Now, and our our connection was our our connection was a guy um, that, that would fit in that bill too. Um, Coach Ed Cerny, who's uh, who's the guy that uh, actually uh, told me that you'd be contacting me. And anytime Coach Cerny tells me I need to do something, I pay attention. <laughs> yes, uh, when sir. I moved when I moved to uh, Thornwell for my senior year of high school, I moved to Clinton. Um, wasn't sure if I was going to go to Thornwell or go to Clinton High. I had two, two high school options there and decided to go to Thornwell. And uh, I believe that was all part of God's plan. I met Coach Cerny. He pulls out his uh, little notebook and tells me he's been praying for me. And I'm like, what are you talking about here? I'm used to people praying for me. You know, my dad's a minister, but he's checking off on his little notebook. He had been praying for a defensive back and another running back. And I, I seemed to fit the bill for that. So he was marking me off as a, a checked off prayer on uh, what he had prayed for uh, as a coach. And I thought, who is this guy? What you know? And I honestly did not appreciate Coach Cerny, I don't think, while I was playing for him. And he's one of those guys that I think about five minutes after graduation, you go, man, that guy really had my best interest in mind and did everything to make me a better person. And, you know, it's been it's been a while since I graduated from high school. We're, we're past 30 years of that. And, uh, he still keeps up with me. Um, I still keep up with him. He sends me emails two or three times a week with some scripture or Bible verse or good word for the day. Uh, he has my kids on his prayer list. He always wants to know what the concern is. And like always, he's going to pull out his little notepad. He's going to write it down. And he's going to check it off when it happens. So that's just an example of a coach that I had that uh, just made such a huge impact on me. Amen. And, um, so I just hope and pray that I can be half that influence on uh, some of the kids I get a chance to come in contact with. Amen to that. Amen to that. Um, you know, uh, as uh, Mr. Cerny to me is, uh, I can totally see that happening. Uh, he probably pulled out his little daytime or whatever. You know, that's probably, I don't know if he had that that time, but he was. He pre- always had some kind of little notebook he was yeah. writing it on and he was going to put it down and, and, you know, he wasn't playing around with his prayer list. No, he he's. Uh, Honestly, I, whenever I interviewed Mr. Cerny, uh, I told uh, I told the listener, I said, hey, if you want Mr. Cerny to pray for you, you just need to get in touch because he will do it, okay? He will follow up with you in a year, 
and say, hey, how'd that work out for you? You know, what the Lord kind of do in that situation? And it is, wow, uh, great man of God. No great doubt. That's, that's just a, probably, one of the better, probably one of the better examples I can give of a, of a coach who was just a positive influence on me coming through. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, cool. Well, Coach Harris, let's do this. Um, you know, let's kind of jump into some things here, and let's let's kind of find out, you know, is there a Bible verse that you really kind of cling to, you know, in your walk as a marketplace Christian in the marketplace right now? I really have two favorites. Um, if you made me pick one, I, I'd go with Romans 8, 28. Um, I actually shared that verse um, with my basketball campers this morning. I did a uh, – we finished up a week of basketball camp at Saskatoon Presbyterian and um, – in Lexington this morning. And um, to me, it's a verse that can relate to all ages. And, you know, we talked about it with six-year-olds to 12-year-olds today. But uh, to me, it's talking about um, all things uh, work to the good of the glory of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And and to me, what it says is that, uh, you know, everything may not go my way every day and everything, you know, there's going to be obstacles that come up. There's going to be problems. There's going to be things that don't go my way and, you know, and disasters and things. But in the end, if I stay in God's plan, big picture, all things are going to work to the glory of God. So to me, that's the verse that when things aren't going well, and that's, you know, that's typically when we need God more, when things aren't going well, mm-hmm. um, that, that I feel like I can hold to and, I can um, I can know that you know this is trial or tribulation, but God's got a plan in the end, and this is all in you know all all in the big picture. Amen, amen. That's great, and I like what you said is that you know if we can stay in the in the big picture, you know of and keep that as our kind of seeing the whole big picture of what God's doing, God will obviously you know cause the circumstances, cause you know really if you boil it down to turn you know lemons and lemonade. You know, that's, that's God's sure. special recipe. <laughs> is well, I, I read some, Go ahead. I read something one time and it was a, it was a study of, I think 500 CEOs and they were looking for the one common thread, you know, was it like Harvard business school or, you know, did they come from wealth or what they make on their SAT and they, all those things. And I think they said the number one most common um, thread of these 500 highly successful CEOs was that 95% of them had overcome a major tragedy in their life. Hmm. Hmm. And, uh, yep. you know, I think being able to deal with adversity and how you handle it. And, you know, I don't think there's any other way. I, I don't see how you handle a major adversity without God in your life. So, Amen. you know, I Amen. don't know that all these guys were Christians, but, right. you know, to do that, I, I certainly couldn't do it without without the Lord. Amen. That's good stuff, Coach Harris. Really good. I appreciate you sharing that with the with listeners. Well, Coach, let's also jump into some success, actually. And, right. you know, from your perspective, you know, obviously you're a coach. You're constantly wanting to win basketball games and, you know, uh, have winners and raise up winners and everything like that. Tell us what's your definition of success as a Christian, you know, uh, when it pertains to the marketplace. Um, you know, and that's, that, that can be tough for me. Cause I think if you ask anybody that's, that's close to me or any of my players or my wife or really anybody that's close to me, one word to describe me, um, for the good or the bad, I think the word competitive is going to be the first thing everybody's going to say. Um, I mean, I want to win everything that you keep score in. I want to win. 
Um, and it's something that I've actually, you know, I've had to, I've had to struggle at times to, to tone it down sometime because it's, you know, it's very important to me. If you're keeping score, I don't care if we're playing cards or, or hoops. I want, I want to win. And uh, I, I've got to realize that that's not always the definition of success. Uh, that's not always the most important thing. I think success from, from my standpoint, um, I, I tell my players when I get them and I tell my parents at a parents meeting, I want to, I want to do two things with your with your son or your daughter from coaching them here. Is I want to I want to try to help make them a better basketball player uh, or a better track athlete or or a better cross country you know whatever sport they're in. I want to try to make them better. That's that's my job as a coach, and and I want to hopefully make them a better person by the time they're done. Hmm. Uh, if I can uh, be a positive influence on them to make them a better person, um, you know obviously I want to. Uh, be a good example for Christ um, as a coach and a teacher in the public school. Uh, you're limited into how much you can uh, necessarily advertise that, but I don't really see that as a drawback. If you're living your life the way they, that you should, and you're doing the things that you should, um, that stuff should come through quite, quite bold and quite obvious. Um, you know, without, without even breaking any of those uh, kind of barriers or lines that, you know, that, the state of South Carolina will set far on what you can and can't tell sure. students and athletes. So, so coach Harris, you'd probably say, you know, your definition is, you know, living that life that people are drawn to. They, they can just tell that there's something different about you. Is that kind of what you're saying? The definition? Right. And, and, that, and that it's something that they'll want to make sure they've got in their life. Mm, yes. I like that. I like you know, that. I hope as a, I hope as a coach that I'm ultimately not judged by my record. Um, I'll, I'll take that. I mean, I've, I've had very good success. Uh, been very blessed um, to, to to win an awful lot. But uh, you know, I think ultimately, if you if you won, but that other didn't come across, then you really hadn't you really hadn't done your job, and it would be kind of hollow. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, I I think that a lot of Christians, you know, coach, and maybe you might want to elaborate a little bit on this, but uh, you know, a lot of Christians would want to shy away from success. Or you know, having that competitive spirit about them because they don't want to, they want to be nice and you know they don't want to step on anybody's toes. But you know, there's something about you know, obviously you know, on the Success Edge, you know, here with our podcast, one of the main missions on here is that we want Christians in the marketplace to stop apologizing for who they are and what they believe, and they want start winning. Okay, and that means taking their craft, taking their you know, mission or their skill and doing it to the best ability they possibly can do it and let God use that in the marketplace. Okay. And, you know, I'd love to to hear your thoughts a little bit on that. Well, a couple of things. One, I think that, you know, one thing God wants us to do is to make the most of our talents, you know, stir up several parables and stories in the Bible about, you know, making the most of your talents and, you know, and being the best that you can be, you know, so I I don't have any question that God wants us to max out our potential, uh, whether it's athletics or academics or whatever it is, you know, wants us to be the best that he can be. But also as far as a podium, um, I'm pretty sure that uh, highly successful people are going to get a whole lot more attention uh, you know, as far as someone listening to them, you know, I'm, I'm tuning in to see where LeBron James goes for free agency. He's got a lot better audience and a lot better market than 
you know, we won't call names, but, you know, a much lesser known player who's trying to decide where he's going next. And nobody may really care. Nobody really may care what he's got to say. But people want to know what highly successful people have to say. And they're going to have influence, whether it's positive uh, or whether it's negative. And, uh, you know, we, we want to know what highly successful athletes have to say. We want to know their opinions. We want to know their thoughts. We want to know everything they're doing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, they get more f- follows on Twitter, uh, the highly successful people. So I think, you know, their, um, their influence is going to be greater because of their success, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think mm. it's, it's a reality. Absolutely. Coach, I appreciate you kind of elaborate on that because, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in 100% agreement with you, okay, that, you know, successful people, there's, people are drawn to that. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, by default, you know, no one's walking by, you know, the, and just call for what it is, you know, the, the, the homeless guy and say, Hey man, teach me how, how to be homeless. Okay. No one, no one's doing that. Right. Okay. And I'm, and I know you might, some people might send me an email saying, how dare you talk about, it? but Hey, it's the truth. Okay. It's the truth. And you know, we're all about, you know, you like what coach Harris just said, maxing out your potential okay and you can do it god's way and glorify god through that and coach Harris, i really appreciate you kind of let me kind of draw that out of you because that was really good what you said well um yeah go ahead you got something else you want to add yeah i mean I, th- I think you see examples of it in sports too i mean um uh, you get a guy like, uh, you know, Tony Dungy that when, that when he was coaching, I think he, he let his faith be known. And, um, you know, he sure had a whole lot more, uh, listeners when he was, uh, winning Super Bowls and when he wasn't having success as a coach or a whole lot more people listening and paying attention to him. Um, now I think Tony Dungy was a successful coach, whether he ever won a Super Bowl or not, but he certainly had a whole lot more people listening to his thoughts and his opinions when he won. Amen. I agree. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Absolutely. That's good. That's a great example too. You know, Tony, phenomenal. I mean, you, well, I mean, if you want to kind of just keep going down this road right here, you can look at, um, Tim Tebow right now. I mean, sure. I mean, Tim Tebow is probably, you know, just for our day and age and for this generation, probably the best Christian example of everybody was talking about Tim Tebow and, because he was successful, because he was winning football games for the Denver Broncos, you know, and the Florida Gators, everybody was talking about Tim Tebow, right? Because he was successful and it was drawing people to Christ because he was taking his potential and maxing it out for the glory of God. Okay. So that's exactly, that's good stuff right there. That is really, really good. You know, you're the first person, honestly, Coach Harris has actually really kind of talked about, you know, maxing out your potential and success in that light. And I really do appreciate, you know, you talking about it from that perspective. That's really good. Well, let's do this, though. Um, you know, everybody has setbacks. Everybody has obstacles. Everybody might have a failure, you know, that, you know, they they have to overcome, you know. But, uh, you know, Coach Harris, take us to a time or take us to a time in your walk as a believer in life when you had a setback or an obstacle or failure that, you know, taught you a lesson you had to overcome it. I had a series of kind of strange um, events in college uh, really along the same time, shortly, shortly before I, I talked about uh, my experience in, in Haiti. I was a, 
uh, I think the beginning of my sophomore year in college, two or three o'clock in the morning, started having some some severe pains, stomach ache, and by about five o'clock in the morning, just felt like something was really seriously wrong, and and uh, I needed some help, and uh, I, I went to Presbyterian College, and I, I lived in Clinton, so I was not very far from home. I called, I remember calling my dad about five o'clock in the morning, and said, "Dad, you got to come get me. I'm, uh, I need help." And uh, he came and got me in my dorm, took me to the hospital, and checked me in. I stayed in the hospital for about two days. They were initially thought it was appendix. We'll remove appendix. They waited a little while, said, "No, it doesn't appear to be that right now." Um, and eventually after about two days ended up sending me back home said just it was a, some type of severe attack in your intestines there you know don't really know what it was um just you know everything appears to be good now well within um within a year um i started having some some medical issues i had lost a lot of weight um I was thirsty constantly. I could, I mean, I literally could not drink enough fluid to, to um, quench my thirst. I had lost 15, 16 pounds. And, and for me, 15, 16 pounds was, you know, we're talking 10% of my body weight. I couldn't really afford to lose that. But at the same time, I was, I was playing basketball and I was um, training for track. So some of it kind of made sense because I was getting double workouts in. And so some of it kind of made sense, the fatigue and all that. I thought, okay, that kind of makes sense. And um, I, I don't know that I knew what a diabetic was or, 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 or what the symptoms were or anything. And I heard a Paul Harvey ad on the radio and I just stopped frozen in my tracks. And I said, wow, I, I'm, I'm diabetic. And I, I didn't, didn't know anybody, don't have a family history of it. And if you know anything about the, the disease, you don't really get it um, at age 20, 21. You get it either as an infant or as an older adult. And you certainly don't get it in the condition I was, uh, probably most physically fit time of my life with no family history. Um, went to my family physician and, um, and he said, you know, how are you? I said, well, I, I, I think I'm okay, but at the same time, I, I'm not sure I'm not diabetic. And he said, well, you know, no family history. You're 21. You're in great health. There's no way you're diabetic. We'll take some blood. We'll get back with you later. And I hate always being right, but about three days later, two, three days later, my doctor tracked me down and you know, you know what, uh, you're, you're, you're diabetic. And I really didn't even know what it meant. I didn't know what the consequences were or anything. Didn't know much about it. I just had heard the ad and um, kind of self-diagnosed there. Well, um, once the reality hit me and, and the doctor actually initially told me I, I, this was, I got diagnosed, I think, the day before the first track meet of my junior year in college. And the doctor initially told me you can't participate in activities. You can't run. You can't participate. You, know, you can't do that as a diabetic. Well, turns out he was treating diabetes from, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe a post-World War II era and didn't have a real good grip on it. Um, and and it, I really kind of struggled, certainly with that, of having athletics and sports looking like it was going to be taken away from me. Um, just literally about crushed me. Uh, my sister was a nurse, and she's like, eh, you know, I don't know a ton about being diabetic, but I'm pretty sure that's not, you know, how you handle it or treat it or control it. And she got me hooked up with um, a group out of Atlanta that was, I think, probably – is and was one of the one of the best in diabetes uh, management and control in the country, and um, they basically put you in the hospital for a week and teach you how to take care of yourself. And um, one of their main things was you've got to exercise to control this. Now that was quite a relief to know that I was going to need to exercise to control it. And uh, you know what I've learned is that you know being diabetic is something that can certainly um, can kill you, um, can cause you to lose limbs. 
but if maintained and controlled also can be lived with and um, can be something that can um, certainly overcome and live with. And um, I think it's probably made me more regular in my exercise, you know, post-college because the exercise is part of taking care of myself. And it's also opened up a huge window of me with with kids that I work with at either the high school level or at uh, youth at camps that – you know, maybe I get a connection with them because I'm diabetic and I'm on an insulin pump and they are too. And they didn't think anybody else was or anybody else could, you know, knew what they were going through. So I really think that it's, it's been a blessing and that it's made me a healthier eater, um, probably um, more consistent on my exercise. And like I said, I think it's, it's really opened up some doors and windows with some, some kids that I teach and work with. Hmm. Man, that's great. That's great that you've been able to take take that and still have a positive attitude with it, you know, coach. And, you know, even look at, even search out for those kids that, you know, because uh, that's probably just the theme of your life, you know, I hear is, you know, kids. You know, I mean, from your dad's, you know, beginning in McCormick to, you know, all the way through to today, you know, just even being able to help those kids that have that, you know, illness and disease and everything to be able to help them overcome that. That's, that is outstanding. And that, and that's a great obstacle. I mean, it's not a great obstacle. I shouldn't say that it's a, you know, it's a thing that is good to hear somebody else talk about, you know, because for me, I I mean, I don't have that, but you know what? I see people that do and, you know, it's like, I can't relate. I, I don't have anything, but for you to be able to talk about that here on the success edge, you know, I know that there's probably at least a couple hundred listeners that probably out there that, you know, might know somebody or might have the same things as you as you did. And well, uh, I, I haven't really had it with any of my athletes necessarily, but like, you know, little kids in camp or, or you know, a couple of kids in my, you know, a little bit of my history classes um, during the year. And I think a lot of times they just feel like, you know, nobody knows what they're going through and, you know, nobody else has to deal with this. You know, why do I have to prick my finger and check my blood sugar and, you know, if they, you know, uh, okay, you know, I get basketball camps last week. All right, you know, we're, we're going we're going to check our blood sugar together over here because I got to know what mine is too before we go to snack time over here. And um, just, I think it allows me to give a connect with them that, you know, that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So I think it's one of those examples of, of you know, where the Lord, you know, can, you know, if you, if you keep your eyes on that big picture, yeah. um, you know, there, there's a reason it allows you an extra connect there. And, uh, you know, then when I think back at it, it certainly could have been worse things. It could have been, you know, something that wasn't, uh, you know, something that was fatal, something that you sure. couldn't live with. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. That's good. I appreciate you sharing that right there. Well, let's do this, Coach. Let's actually go back up to the mountain, okay? Let's go back to an aha moment, the light bulb moment. And, you know, take us to the time, you know, in in your, you know, walk in the the marketplace, you know, as a believer, you know, that you had a light bulb moment where you said, ah, this is going to work. This is going to be success, you know. Take us to that moment, and what did that look like? Um. Kind of hard, kind of hard to narrow that down or pick. Um, I guess if we're looking success in terms of um, in terms of coaching, in terms of believing in what you do, I, I had come through pretty, you know, some pretty successful, you know, collegiate programs. Had been had been a part of pretty good winter in basketball at Presbyterian College there. And but but when you're doing it on your own, when you're the head guy and you're in charge. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're not always sure if what you're doing is right or if it's going to get it done. And, um, I think the, the 
when I took over at Lexington High School, uh, they had not had a lot of success. They were uh, coming off of a, a one in nineteen season, which they had lost. They had won the first game of the season, lost nineteen in a row. Hmm. They had been through uh, six coaches in the last ten years, and uh, hadn't had a winning season in a very very long time. And but but the group of kids I inherited was pretty good. It, it wasn't like I was inheriting no talent. It wasn't like I pulled, you know, just some you know, smoking and mirrors, you know, miracle here. I, I inherited some pretty good players. They just had not had much success. And uh, I think one of the things I really tried to work on was making them believe they could win. And I remember our first game of the season, first game I ever coached at, at Lexington, we're playing Columbia High School, and we're down 14 to 2. And I'm thinking, whew, I, I, you know, I might have gotten in for, for more than I can handle here. Um, you know, I'm literally one game into my high school coaching career thinking, uh, this might not go too well. And um, <laughs> fourteen to two—that's a pretty rough start, right there. We, we were getting—we were getting trounced, no question. And um, somehow we were able to turn it around. And uh, I think our whole motto and mode is staying positive, and, and you know we can do this, and we've got this. And uh, I think we come back and came back and won the game by eight or nine points. Hmm. Um, got that first win. Uh, got a couple of other early wins there, and and went on to a, a seventeen and eight season in that first year. Wow! And uh, it literally was like every game we won was like almost winning the Super Bowl because they, you know, they'd lost nineteen games in a row the year before, and they were just incredibly excited every time we won, and they really started believing in it and believing in themselves, and um. And so that was uh, that was and coach that was kind of your light bulb moment as well that you know, I can turn around something and, and I can make it work. Is that, was that kind of the yeah, moment too? For yeah. You? Yeah. That, that, you know, maybe what we're doing is, is going to work here and, and, you know, maybe, you know, what we've been priced and what we've been working on summer and fall, you know, since I got here, you know, these things that I had always done, but I had always been, you know, I was a student assistant and, you know, or as a grad assistant, you know, maybe, maybe this, maybe this is going to work with these kids, you know, they're, they're buying in, they're believing and, um, and I honestly don't think it's one particular system. You know, we, we you know, scheme wise, we play mostly matchup zone. And, and I think you can, you know, there, there's more than one way to skin a cat. You can do it as a zone guy. You can do it as a man to man. You can do it as a trap or a press. You know, there, there's tons of different ways. I don't think there's necessarily a right and wrong way. But what you've got to have is you've got to have your your team and your kids believe in what you're doing, mm-hmm. and um, that that's, that kind of was was what hit me early there. Is if you can get the kids to buy in and believe in what you're doing and believe that you can help them get where they want to go, if you can convince them that, then then you know, you can have success. Now do do this for me, do this, for Coach. I really I really want you to. I think you can really kind of unwrap this real for me. Take me to that time. How were you working with the Lord? What was the, how, you know, what was kind of going on with you and God, and how you were actually able to kind of maneuver through that time? You know, what was that like? I just um, one thing that I've always just been been constant with in coaching is is to always pray for the Lord for wisdom and guidance, and mm-hmm. wisdom and guidance, and and how to handle my kids, and and every kid needs to be handled differently. I think one of the things I've learned is that. You can't treat them all the same. You know, you hear that sometimes. You got to treat all your kids the same. You got to treat everybody, eh, not necessarily the same. I mean, every kid's got a little different needs. They come from different places, different backgrounds. And, um, you know, some, some kids you can, you can get on a little more than others. Some kids you, you, you really can't even raise your voice at if you're going to get anything out of them. Right, right. Um, 
but but just to to ask the Lord for wisdom and guidance in in how to handle my kids and how to um, how to reach each kid individually. And I, I think that's kind of always where I've tried to ground myself is is on individually each kid because if I can reach each kid individually, if I can if I can uh, you know be an example and a lead for each one of those kids individually, then you know together as a team we should be able to come together. Um, you know, naturally, if, if I can reach each one of them. Yeah, no, that's great, Coach. That's great. That's a great example, you know, of how to work with the Lord is actually just ask the Lord for some wisdom and guidance, you know, because he says he's going to freely give it to you, you know, and uh, that's that's awesome. And, and, you know, SEC, I hope you hear that, that, you know, you might be, you know, in the in the middle of a, you know, job change, okay, or you might be seeking out the Lord and asking for wisdom with uh, a promotion at work, or you might be looking at some kind of uh, deal that you're trying to put together, or, you know, heck, you might be coaching out there, okay, and, uh, you know, Coach Harris just gave you a great example of how he's been able to do that through the years. We're talking over 27 years, guys, okay, Um, so that's really good, Coach. really do appreciate that. Well, Coach, let's uh, let's do this. Let's do two things um, and two last questions. Um, one would be, you know, kind of tell the uh, Success Size listeners, you know, what would be the best way to uh, to contact you if they'd like to reach out to you. And then I've got one more question after that. So go ahead. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Um, that's that's a, a good technology reach for me there. Uh, I did that mainly to try to keep up with my players uh, at Coach B. Harris. Um, uh, or can email me uh, through the school district at uh, bharris at lexington1.net. Um, I'm usually pretty easy to get in touch with um, through through the high school, Lexington High School. Awesome. Good stuff. And uh, Success as Community, we'll have all this actually in the show notes uh, for you guys, so you can go out there and reach out to Coach Harris because, obviously, this has uh, been a great interview. So, well, let's do this, Coach. Um, let me kind of uh, ask him a last question, and we'll call it a wrap. Um but uh, let's go back ten. Let's go back ten years, okay? okay? And let's go to a coffee shop, okay? And let's go and sit down with the young Coach Harris, okay? Ten years right. ago, what would be probably some of the best advice that you would want to give the young Coach Harris at that time? You probably got to go back more than 10 years to get to young, but I'll take that. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take that. <laughs> All right. We'll go back to, you know, when you were in your twenties. Okay. So we'll let's, let's go back we'll take that. Um, patience, um, just patience and, and, and patience with, um, you know, with, with things that frustrate you, you know, with things that you maybe don't think move fast enough or get done or doing the done the right way, just patience and relax and, and patience with your uh, kids in the classroom, uh, whether you're trying to teach them history, and patience with your your kids on the basketball court. Um, just uh, uh, you know, I, I think when when I think patience, it's it's um, for me to be slower to to get upset or slower to anger, mm. and uh, you know, just just calm down and have a little patience and uh, <laughs> and relax. And uh, you know, you might have to repeat it again. You might have to go through it again. You might have to. To, to give that example one more time. And uh, if you can do that uh, and just take a step back and be patient, that uh, uh, things things will be okay. Yeah. I think we all could use a little extra patience, okay? 
Uh, I like that, Coach Chris. But, I mean, you know, Coach, honestly, it relates back to your your verse of scripture you talk about, Romans 8.28. You know, hey, everything's going to work out. So you can be a little patient, right? I mean. I have some, to remind myself that frequently, but, yes, I think so. <laughs> everything's going to work out. You know, there's no emergencies. You know, God's going God's gonna to order your steps. God's going to work it all out. You know, if we really believe Romans 8.28, you know, he's going to work over this whole situation out, and it's going to be fine. And That's uh, exactly right. I, I like that. I like that, Coach. Well, Coach, um, Coach Harris, thank you so much uh, for being on the Success Edge. I know that the listeners here, the Success Edge, you know, definitely got a lot out of what you said. You know, from your, you know, just from even, you know, one of the things about just maxim maxing out your potential and being as successful as you possibly can be, you know, for the glory of God. I mean, that's that's huge, huge on this uh, on our show here, and I know that the listeners really will get a true benefit out of it, even when you're type 1 diabetes and just, you know, seeking the wisdom and asking for wisdom and in just your aha moment, you know, is really good. So we really appreciate you being on the uh, Success Edge, Coach Harris. Really do. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, sir, we will catch you on the flip side. Thank you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, Coach Harris. I really do appreciate you sharing. Man, it was definitely an awesome and honor to actually get a chance to interview you and actually get you to share your story. I know that your kids out there that are coached, you're coached by you, are impact for eternity because of your example, man. Thank you so much for being on the Success Edge. Now, here's the deal. Coach Harris and I got into a little bit of a conversation about maximizing your potential. And gang, I can't help but go back to this. This is such a near and dear thing to the success edge, okay, to this podcast of why we have this, that I see Christians out there, Christians, yes, Christians floundering. They don't take their God-given ability and they don't maximize it, okay? And a lot of times it happens because they're just in a, they just don't enjoy their job. They don't enjoy what they're doing in life. They find no joy in it. And you know what, man? I'd say get over it. Wherever you're at, let's maximize what you're doing. Because here's the thing. It will establish a podium for you that you will actually be able to talk about and edify Christ. I mean, it gives you a greater platform to be able to be a light. So I'm telling you guys, do your best. Maximize what you're doing out there. Don't just be some average person. There is an enemy out there, gang, and its name or his or her name is called average. Refuse to be average. A Christian should never be average. You have the God of this universe inside of you. Get over it. Make it happen. I'm telling you, I'm fired up about this right now. So I really do appreciate Coach Harris. You getting me fired up about that. I'm telling you, it just get it, get a platform, guys. Get a platform. That is what we need out there is a platform for you to actually be able to stand on and share who you believe in. Okay, because man, in the marketplace, we need that. So something else I thought we needed was actually a Success Edge community group on Facebook. Yep. A Success Edge community group on Facebook. I'm pretty excited about this, guys, because I wanted to give you guys a way to actually connect with people that are actually listening to the Success Edge um, out there on Facebook. I know we have a uh, the Success Edge fan, uh, Facebook fan page. 
I know that uh, you can go out there and find me on Twitter at, at Tyler H. McCart. But I wanted to give you guys a place on Facebook to be able to you know connect with other people and network, also share your stories, also share what you're getting out of the interviews, just share a whole bunch of stuff out there. This is a great place for you guys to connect out there on Facebook, okay? So go check it out. And last but not least, I wanted to let you guys know that I did a little pivot. Yep, a little pivot, guys. So I've had interviews back to back to back to back. I mean, goodness, we're already at episode, you know, next episode is actually episode 55. You know, you can go and obviously find Coach Harris's show notes, okay? I just want to remind you at thesuccessedge.biz backslash 54, all right? But I wanted to change up a couple, one quick thing. I used to do this, but I hadn't done this in a little while, where the, actually yours truly, Tyler McCart, does his own thing. Yes, I get on there for about, this time I only got on there for about six minutes, I think. But I'm telling you, gang, I was just inspired at that moment. I've already recorded it. It's already ready to go. It'll actually air on next Tuesday, all right? And I think you'll enjoy it, okay? So it'll be episode 55, and it is titled, The Three Reasons Why You're Not Succeeding. Ha <laughs> Yep. The Three Reasons Why You're Not Succeeding. And it is actually, uh, I think it's uh, six, r- roughly about six minutes long. I think you're going to enjoy it. Actually, I know you'll probably enjoy it. I enjoyed actually doing it. I'm just excited about what I'm reading about right now. I'm also excited about, you know, just all the good things that are going on in my life. And man, I just want to get this out there to you guys so that you guys start succeeding in the marketplace, okay? Because that's what we need. So, SEC, Success as Community, we will catch you guys on the other side. If you feel inspired to take your God-given skills to the next level, download our free report called The Five Tools That Every Marketplace Christian Needs to Crush It in Their Career. God loves when we use the abilities he's blessed us with to do amazing work in the marketplace. So download your report by visiting the successedge.biz slash tools right now. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Success Edge.